Welcome, everybody. It is a real pleasure to introduce Jeff and Artina Sandlin. We have known the Sandlins now for, I don't know, is it over 10, 10 years? First time, no, probably 15 years. Actually. 15 years. My goodness. So they're graduates of the Prodigal Bible Study, and as a result of being a graduate, they've learned a lot, and now they teach this in their home through Zoom all around the country, and they've even had people in different parts of the world take their Zoom class. So um, we are so blessed to have them assist us and work with us on this. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about them. Fifteen years ago, they began their journey with their son, who began to unravel. Uh, He chose a, a path of drug use. Uh, through years of heartaches, trials, drug rehabilitation, and incarceration, they have begun to weave together their family story and now use it for God's glory. They came to the support group years ago. They now teach this. They've helped other parents. Uh, they've learned a great deal from their journey as parents that they're going to share with you tonight about how God's grace is sufficient and has helped them through their pain for His gain. So let me open with a word of prayer and then... Jeff and Artino, I'll invite you to the front. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for, first of all, this beautiful day you've given us, God, and just help us to appreciate every day you give us because today is uh, a gift. And Lord, we just thank you for Jeff and Artina being willing to be here tonight to share their story, their journey with their family, with their son especially, and what they've learned through the years. Father, we just look forward to hearing from them words of hope and encouragement. We just pray that you'll speak through them in a mighty way, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I'm usually loud, so I'll do my best to uh, speak up, but I think you guys will be able to hear me. And um, if I get in a little waxing moment, just say, hey, speak up. First, let me do this. First thing I want to do is just really thank you guys for reaching out and finding a support group. Because when you're going through this journey, I can assure you, my wife and I, I mean, and, you know, we're parents just like you. We've been through it. Um, and it was probably one of the most isolating moments of our life. You know, the very place that you thought you could have run to when we went to our church and our church friends, you know, was the very place that we got kind of punted the hardest. So it was a little bit of a tough road to hoe. You know, you wear your family out, you wear your friends out. And, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, and when your church folks kind of start to turn on you, and I was in a leadership position. But really, it just comes back to, you know, staying connected with people who can understand and who can relate. And that's all we are. We're just parents like you. We've been there. We've sat in that chair. You know, we know all the feelings. We know what it feels like to be isolated, lonely, arguing. You know, marital um, issues, yeah, <laughs> marriage in crisis, um, angry, bewildered, fearful. I mean, you can just fill in the blank with adjectives, and we've been there. We know what it's like. So again, you know, stay connected to folks who understand, who aren't judgmental, and who will just walk this road with you. So I would encourage you to do that. So. I didn't realize I had so much time. I like to talk. <laughs> so I'll do my best. They do have a clock up there. I'll, I'll get us out of I'll here. You. Yeah. But, you know, every story, all good stories begin with a nice beginning, a middle part, and then they have like a triumphant ending is kind of, that makes for a good story. So what we're going to try to do tonight is just kind of fill in the first two sections. What I can tell you is the last chapter is still being written, you know. 
Uh, we've been going through this now for 17, 18 years almost. And, um, you know, to kind of start it off where it started, we have five lovely kids. We're the parents of five going from now 32 down to 22. And uh, boys on both ends, three girls in the middle. And so, you know, our story began, just like many of you, young parents. Uh, you know, our children could do no wrong. I mean, we walked in with them, and, you know, heaven opened up, and the light shined down, and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, you know. <laughs> so we thought. Um, Christian families, you know, we grew up in it, went to church. Uh, Christian friends, Christian schools, everything looked just glorious. I schooled, huh? yeah. baked bread, did all the things you should do. and Yeah. <laughs> So all the good things that, you know, you think that you've got it all mapped out and, uh, you know, we're good. You know, we got this. We know exactly how to do this thing. We had to figure it out, so we thought. And with my job early on, um, we started in South Carolina, moved to Florida, moved back to Georgia. And uh, so there was a little bit of movement around when our kids were young. But, you know, each time we showed up, it just seemed to be... You know, that iconic, idyllic family. You know, oh boy, you know, they're great. They go to church. They got all these kids. They seem to have things together. And we did at that time. Um, we moved back to Georgia back in 97. And so, you know, at that point, you know, we're going to try to move a little bit to the middle part. But we had a very fortunate circumstance with our friends and our family, and everything looked good. Private school right here, and as a matter of fact, when we moved back to Georgia, the first stop was East Cobb Christian. I don't know. I started if any... the art department there. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So our our children went there for a year. We were living in Cobb, and uh, everything was good. Kings Academy. Yeah, we were one of the first families to start Kings Academy down in uh, Woodstock. If you're familiar with that, it's a home school, and now it's a rather large school. We serve with 97 families. I think they're up to a couple thousand now. So we've been in on the ground floor of that, got to really experience that. And then over time, as our story evolved, um, Tina's mother passed away. The kids are getting older. We just had to make a decision. You know, it was just so much in the balance, so we put our kids in public school. And that is probably, I'm not going to blame public school. That's not what I'm saying. But that is when we began to see a fractioning with our kids. You know, were we too protective? maybe and they got exposed and they didn't know how you know i mean that's what we did we sheltered but we also have one son he's never spent a day in a private school or a christian school and he's done just fine so you know i'm not i'm not an anti-public <coughs> school person right. um but that's when things began to kind of hit the kind of hit the the skids for us so to speak so with our oldest that is where it started but it's not where it stopped he was about 15 years old when he started using and unbeknownst to us and you know it was just a natural evolution so we're, we're trying to weigh in the reality of you know is this just typical rebellion is it just typical teenage years maybe it's the new friends you know maybe because we've had to change school so many times that you know so we're starting to punt this thing around amongst us to say you know what's going on here one of my friends said you know do you think you could be using drugs I said there's no way there's no way. I'll bet my life on it. And sure enough... 
it was Thanksgiving, the birds in the oven, mm-hmm. and he's smoking pot out of his bedroom window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I just happened to walk down. What a great day to find all this out, right? Talk about a bubble burst, right? And so I go down. I'm like, what are you doing? And obviously I knew, and then he was very apologetic, but, you know, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I was absolutely just flabbergasted and shocked. But it began to kind of fill in some of the blanks as we began to kind of realize he wasn't just in it a little bit. At that point, he'd already been doing it for two and a half, three years. I mean, he was in pretty heavy at this point. So we do the typical parent thing. We uproot the room, start looking at little things. All of a sudden, there's a coconut, you know, the little coconut things you can buy on a trip, and they hang them in the room with a face on it. Well, I noticed, I was like, what is that? He had carved out the bottom, and there was marijuana in there. There was an ottoman in the, in, his, um, in the downstairs play area, and I noticed the fabric was pulled back. He had hidden marijuana in there. This stuff was living in our house, and we didn't even know it. And the seriousness at that age didn't come to our attention until a little bit later. But nonetheless, it was in our home for two and a half, three years, had no idea. And it was just, like I said, talk about shock and all. We were, I was. And, and was denying it right up to that point. So one of the first things, you know, that we began to notice was just some rebellion, problems in school. We always were quick to blame the other people. It couldn't be him. It had to be the teacher. <coughs> it wasn't our son. It was them. So we did a lot of displacing of that. And then the speeding tickets led into, you know, another speeding ticket. You know, getting kicked out of school for letting a rat loose in the cafeteria, which actually was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, it, but he was that guy, you know. He was going to get that attention one way or the other. But, but he was that guy with low self-esteem, mm-hmm. and he's overcompensating. Mm-hmm. And so in a math class, he couldn't figure out how to do the math equations, but he was the jokester, so he would get that fulfillment through laughing and cutting up. and. Yeah, you know, so. yeah. So... It just began to kind of compound up a little bit. So then the first incident that we had in, with the law was a drag racing incident. And he was about 16 and a half, I think 17 at this point. And um, he called me and he was all cocky. And he's like, hey, you know, maybe you should just leave me here. This would teach me a good lesson. I'm going, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, this isn't all that bad. So he's starting to do all this. I said, okay. And we hung up the phone. And um, a good friend of mine who is an attorney, he's now a judge in the Cherokee County where we live, you know, I called him. We're in a total panic. We're like, oh, my gosh, our son's in jail. What's going to happen? Is he going to get killed? You know, what's going on in there? He assured me, he said, Jeff, he said, there's people inside the jail. They walk the halls. You're fine. Just leave him for a little bit. Well, less than 24 hours, we're panicked. We just, we couldn't surrender that. We just know because that's what we had been doing to this point, rescuing. You know, I paid this when he when I said, "Hey, you're going to pay the speeding ticket." He refused to pay it. Well, I knew what would happen. They'd issue a bench warrant. So what do I do? I just go pay it. I, you know, we'd been rescuing for a long time at this point, unbeknownst that we'd only kind of compounded his decision making, and instead of allowing him to realize some of the consequences, we were trying to rescue him. We were enablers. Enabling, absolutely. Yeah. So we left him, like I said, less than 24 hours later, he's out. 
because we just couldn't take it anymore. Phone calls, I'm starving to death. These people are stealing my food. So, of course, oh, let's go get him out of jail. And uh, so we did. And then it just kind of began to continue down the spiral that he went down. There wasn't a lot of remorse. There wasn't anything. It was just all cocky, and I got this. It's no big deal. You know, and for those of you who may or have or have not experienced it, the jails are full of jailhouse lawyers, and he already knew how he was going to get out of it. So, you know, there was nothing you could tell him. And then we had a second incident with a friend of his, and now things began to get a little bit more serious. He had stolen. Now, this is a kid who had grown up in our home. They were friends. They kind of grew up. And uh, Lee had spent the night at his house and vice versa. This kid had been in ours. And there was some kind of a situation. This kid owed him some money for drugs, and he didn't pay him. Of course, him. we didn't know that at the time. Yeah, we didn't know that. And so what he decided to do, he said, well, I'm just going to go over to his house and take his motorcycle. And he did. And he was hiding it. And they're still talking. He said, hey, if you just pay me my money, I'll bring you back your motorcycle. Well, this kid was also on a bad trail no pun intended and uh, so his mother decided that it would be a good opportunity to make an example out of our son to show her son what would happen if he didn't stop so she and they co- were in the middle of a divorce situation yeah yeah so the dad is on one side saying don't do this they're friends we'll figure this out don't do it she decided she wanted to drive the nail in the coffin to show her son this is what will happen so she contacted the police well, because the motorcycle was over $500, now we're talking about a felony. So that was the first episode that, you know, we had to deal with. So, and, you know, I called the lady, unbeknownst. I mean, this is all new to me. I called her not realizing, you know, that I was some kind of legal jeopardy. I couldn't really do that. You're not allowed to call people like that. But it, but it was a friend, we thought. So I called her said, hey, can we just work this out? And she said, hung up. And literally within five minutes, the detective calls me back and says, you don't have to contact them, et cetera. So I got the right. So I knew where we were in for, in for a real treat on this one. But unfortunately, you know, you would think that that would be enough to get someone's attention. And now we're talking about a felony. There's some real consequences of that, even with one. It was still early on. What? No, I was just going to say, he kicked the door in and... and um so there was burglary. No, it, no. What no. was it? What was it? They just got him for it was. It was. It was a burglary. Yeah, but yeah. but bottom line is, you know, you would think that that would have been a little bit of a wake up call, and it just wasn't. He still had kind of this idea that he was going to get out of, get out of everything, that nothing was going to stick to him. He was Teflon Don. So in the midst of that, he and a friend decided to burglarize a shop a plumbing store right up the street from where we lived another friend of ours who we'd known because we've known the family and uh it was that particular son's family member that drug lee into it but bottom line he was in on it so now they get caught of course and um so now we're looking at two felonies so he committed a felony while he was out already had one pending so this is not good right we're thinking this is not a good thing and we knew there would be some jail time and so went to court you know the, the he obviously got some incarceration into one of the uh, detention centers which was the first offenders all that kind of stuff so they did the best they could to make it as soft as possible but then you know this is also where we kind of began to say you know we got to find some help and so we found the prodigal ministry because like i said we were you we were at a loss 
you know, and I, if you're at that point in your life, and, and had it not been for that group, I just don't know what would have happened. Because at this point, we were afraid in, in early on, but at this point, we were like this. And it was rough. We were, it was like, you know, I'm too harsh, she's too soft. It was just a nightmare. And of course... Then vice versa. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. We didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> you know, we founded the, the, the support group, and we went to it, and I'm, I think I was probably two classes in before I could even speak. It was like an elephant sitting on my chest. Because even at that, it was just, I was just so, at that point, just not broken, I guess, but I was embarrassed. I was just humiliated. I just couldn't believe it. Um, and that was my issue. Not being able to recognize the pain that I was suffering. You know, I got this, all this kind of stuff. So that was kind of my journey. But we founded the group. We went through it. And it literally was one of the, I think, a turning point for us in terms of an opportunity to talk and discuss things and try to get to ground zero and be on the same page. And I wish I would say that that was the end of it, but it wasn't. So time was served. We, we have some property we have a barn. He's incarcerated. We're just trying to think, okay, what's going to happen when he comes out? So we finished the barn. We put an apartment in him because we like, he can't go live anywhere with these friends. We want to keep him in this nice little protected area. So we finished out the barn. I'm communicating. I still got a drawing where he drew it in jail. Now, this will be my bedroom and blah, blah. So it gave him hope. And it also, once again, we were reaching out to try and say, hey, Let's just keep this as tight as we can. Let's do what we can to protect him. All well intended, no doubt. So we did. He gets out. And, um, of course, he was great for probably two months. And then the other thing to keep in mind, too, is this all runs downhill. We have four other kids, don't forget. So now we're not only just dealing with that. We're dealing with a daughter who decided to um, uh, move out. She found a new mom. Somebody who's a little more friendly than her than her this mom. This was her eleventh grade. Yes, but this yeah. was twelfth grade. We pulled her out of yeah of school. Yeah, yeah. And uh, even even she made a poor choice. Um, and I didn't know this, but apparently shoplifting is pretty common for teenage girls. But she got a shoplifting charge. She had more money in her pocket than what she took. But anyway. It was over two hundred dollars. Let me or, see what I can get away with. Yeah. Let me. My brother's testing the water, so now I'm going to. Yeah. So we processed through that, and then um, again, much different. Nowhere near as the depth, but she was able to kind of get those charges taken care of. Certainly, you know, we we helped her with that. The judge was more than lenient, and uh, so she was able to unravel that mess. But again, this is all going on at the same time, and you know, you can imagine the dysfunction that was going on. I mean, it was pure trauma in our home. And so we have this, we have this, and then we got three others that are just watching and absorbing. A couple of them don't want to say a word because they've seen all the chaos at mom and dad. So now, you know, we've even got that to deal with. Now we got medical issues because somebody doesn't know how to express themselves, and all of a sudden there's seizures involved. That, stuffing it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just dysfunction at its hiding greatest. under the covers as the police with blue lights are going all over our house. Yeah. And the kids were home, but we were not. And now they're ducking under the bed hiding. And I mean, that's just trauma, right? Yeah. It's a lot of trauma. Yeah, we, we received a call. We were actually out at dinner with some friends, and 
the police are here and they're looking for Lee and all this other kind of stuff and they were surrounded they're beating on the door and we're having to tell our kids stay in the room don't come out go you know we have a basement room where there's no windows they just go in there to this day they still talk about how horrible that was for them I mean they're young kids and you know you can imagine the police are banging on the doors nobody's there and I'm having to try and coach my kids just sit tight just sit tight trust me don't go out they can't come in don't all answer this. the door don't say anything yeah that's just but that's the kind of stuff that we were processing through. We're not done. I still got some time. <laughs> How much do I need to fill in? Um, a lot left out. Yeah. But so that's kind of, we wish that would have been the end, but it wasn't. Like I said, he got out and, um, you know, of course, did well for a couple of months, but then it just was, wasn't enough. Then he decided to kind of get back with his old crew and he's running another game. And this time we have another charge, and this one's really much ramped up. He's a convicted felon, possession of firearm, because he was high, drinking, passed out. And a buddy of his, so the story goes, it was his gun, but it was in the car. It all runs one and the same. And uh, so he wrecks the car, run, wakes up, runs off. Police are chasing That's how the police ended up looking for him. They were looking for him at this point. And, uh, you know, so they find a firearm. And so needless to say, you know, now we're really, really anxious about what's going to happen because there's some minimums on that. And, again, by the grace of God, you know, um, the courts were lenient. He didn't serve a mandatory. Uh, And, again, you know, I don't even know to this day other than it was literally a miracle from God that he didn't serve some hard time on that one. And again, that wasn't even the end. There were a couple more felonies that were added after that, but you know, I don't want to unpack. So he went to rehab. That's well, that was yeah. We had done rehab two or three times, and so we've been there, done that as well. Yeah, the rehabs were all part of that as well. But of course, all that—that's a form of manipulation. Yeah. Because his heart was not there. He he didn't want to change, and so of course. I'm going to go because I'm being told to go, and and you're going to get nothing out of it, right? So, yeah. That's. And it was kind of at that point, you know, where we just began to realize that this problem was not necessarily just ours, but it was much bigger than ours. But we also began to realize that if we couldn't come together, and if we couldn't land on the same page, we were both being manipulated, and and that really was at the point we began to realize that. You know, there's that book, When I Lay My Isaac Down. I mean, we had to we had to surrender and give him to the Lord and just say, because we were just, we had had our wits in. We had done everything that I thought was possible. And um, we, like you said, rehabs, you name it. We've, attorneys, whatever, we've spent an arm and a leg, a fortune on trying to keep him out of trouble. And it just didn't seem to work. But when we came together as a couple, that was the pivotal turning point for all of us. And so... No longer could he come in between us to divide us and manipulate mom. Mom wouldn't do this. Mom wouldn't give him $50, you know. And so it began to kind of set him in a different direction. He began to realize, hey, wait, this is my issue now, and mom and dad aren't going to bail me out. So we made it through the rest of those charges and the sentences and the time spent in jails. And and then... Um, at that point we just said you're on your own I mean we cannot help you anymore we will love you unconditionally 
but we can no longer enable your habits and your ways. So we sat back and we just breathed for a little while. We we just we disengaged. Like I said, we'd already had to step down. I was a deacon at a church. I had to step down from that because you know obviously it was something I had done as a parent, and uh, you know our friends shunned us. So you know we were just hurt from so many different angles of life besides our kids and so we just said you know what let's just let's just let's just disengage for a while and we did we just sat on church pews for two or three years didn't do anything went to church continue to you know absorb and heal which is a huge part of this process just for your own personal healing but the one thing that was kind of cool about it because we were open enough with some of our friends um But other parents, when we began to embrace our story and kind of share it just one at a time, one couple at a time, one person at a time, it was crazy how so many other parents all of a sudden were attracted to us. Or or they would say, call Jeff and Tina, call Jeff and Tina. And, you know, we just kind of leaked out a little bit into this new opportunity to use our pain for God's gain. That's the way we looked at it. Our story for His glory. That's really what we're trying to do. And... Then we had the idea. We said, you know, we breathed a little bit more. We helped some couples along the way. And then we just began to realize that God had us on this path for a reason. So we reached out, you know, to John and Fair. And we talked about, you know, what if we started a support group, what it would look like? You know, who would come? You know, that was my first thing. Who's going to come listen to us? You know, we can't do that. I mean, all the questions that began to bubble up, we said, you know what, though, let's just do it. If we just have one couple show up, it's fine. Because the other piece of this story, as we began to talk about it, the greater healing that we got is ourselves as a couple. And as much as we want to hide from this and put it in the corner, when you can begin to just kind of embrace it and share it, like I said, a little bit at a time. You know, it's like eating an elephant. You ain't going to eat it all at one setting, a little, you know, one bite at a time. So we began to talk about this. We said, hey, let's do this. And we started off with our support group in our home. And uh, did that for a year. We've actually been five years, I think, consistently, where we do two groups a year. Well, then COVID hit. So that provided an opportunity for Zoom uh, platform because I use it all the time. I'm fairly comfortable with it. So in the midst of one of our classes, we finished on Zoom. And we said, oh, that wasn't too bad, you know. And so we started the next fall. And we've been doing Zoom classes ever since. And so that's kind of the format that we do. We do two classes a year in the spring and the fall. For 10 weeks, same time frame as the support group. We prefer in home, but what we have found is through the Zoom platform, we've been able to reach a lot of people. And I will tell you, we're so blessed in this community to have people like John and Fair, and I'm not trying to, I'm just telling you the truth. You, This is a refuge that, that most people don't have. I talk to people from all over the country. We don't have this here. Indiana, Pennsylvania, Florida, Costa Rica, this year, this is past class. Uh, South Carolina, I mean, you know, Texas, I mean, we've seen them. California, Oregon. People want to just be a part of a support group because it is so isolating. And so this kind of opportunity that we have here is just amazing. And so I really mean that, John Fear, Thank you so much for your continued effort in this ministry. It is just amazing. Um, so we kind of started our support group. And, uh, you know, the one thing I would speak into that is, you know, it's all in God's timing and it's all in the right time. 
you know, I have, um, I was on a group leader meeting, I'm involved with another ministry, and uh, do, doing a similar thing, and they had a group leader meeting, and they were, some people just jumping in the midst of it. And, and every time they have a meeting, there's a trigger. So, you know, if you go through these meetings, there are triggers, and especially as a leader, as much as we've been through, whenever we sit and we listen to other parents, we know those scabs, and we know what it feels like when they're picked off, and because, you know, we kind of Oh, gosh, I remember that. My, my heart sinks. Our gut is wrenched when we hear these parents crying on the other end of the line. So if you're something, you know, something that you're considering doing over time, what I can tell you is this. God will carry you through. He's taking you through this journey. You don't know why. I don't know why. I still question at times. But what I can assure you is if you begin to embrace your story, God will fill in the blanks and He will use you to reach other people. And your story matters because it is not by mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. You know, it's how we embrace that journey and what we do with it. So I would encourage you to keep that when all else fails and when you're ready to just throw in the towel. And I can tell you, I did it many times. Every time I would say, I'm done, I've had enough. I'm not spending another dime. I'm not doing anything else. I am so sick of this. You know, God would just gently kind of whisper in my ear. You know, hey, I didn't give up on you. I didn't give up on you. And so, as tempting as it was just to walk away from that, I began to understand, you know, you have to embrace grace as we go through this. And none of us are not without fault. You know, we all were well-intended. We thought we had the parenting handbook handed to us, and um, you know, it was just—it's just part of life. But I can tell you, it is some. We have some of the best conversations with couples. We just love getting success stories, and we've had so many now over the last few years of of people who have, you know, their sons or daughters who have come out of drug addiction or prostitution or sex trafficking. And, and to hear the stories of God's restoration and, and for them to take a step back and to look into this and say, wow, you know, the encouragement that I got was just through sharing with other parents and being able to find support to get through that time. So it's an amazing ministry. We totally love it. But it is all about just the perfect timing and when God needs you to step up and step out. And it's okay to step back and breathe. It's okay to heal. And like I said, you know, it may be years down the road before you have this opportunity, but don't give up. God's got a reason and everything. It's just sometimes hard for us to unmask all that. Um, and we are not counselors. We are just yeah. parents <laughs> yeah. surviving just like everyone else. Not, You know, it seems like a century ago, but then it doesn't seem like that long ago. We were sitting in the same <coughs> chair looking for just a, a, somebody to give me some hope, somebody to give me an answer on something. And, uh, and, and God has delivered in, in a mighty way. If you had asked me five years ago, six, well, six, seven years ago now, mm-hmm. I keep forgetting we've been doing this so long, but if you had asked me if I would have been leading a group, I would have laughed. I said, there's no way. There's no way. I don't have time. I don't have the energy. But all the I, skill set. Yeah. <laughs> all I did was like, you know, but God can use, I just, just use my heart and just speak honestly and transparently. You know, there's no, there's nothing to hide. There's nothing to hide. Don't be ashamed of it. And that just takes time. 
that'll only come with healing and a lot of time in between. It doesn't come right away. So, as I said, you know, our journey's not finished. We're still writing the chapter. I'd be happy to share with you. We still have a daughter who's living an active lesbian lifestyle. Um, we have a son who last year had some issues with uh, a little bit of a rehab, but thank God he was able to recognize it, get his life back on track. Um, so the journey is still going on. The final chapter has not been finished. But what God's given us and what I know I'm working toward is God is going to use it. And if I can use my story for someone else to reach another parent, to give them hope, to inspire them to raise up and lead a support group, we're beginning to see that now. We're seeing people who have come through our class and say, you know, gosh, I just love this. With a lady in Texas, we had, uh, you know, like I said, the lady in Costa Rica, um, South Carolina, and just people are now beginning. It's, it's just, um, that's what it's, it's just so rewarding. And I know that sounds weird, but had I not gone through that, I wouldn't be able to do what God's doing with our life today. Mm-hmm. And the people that he brings across our path. Um, pretty much, you know, I, I, just some words of advice if there is any. You know, counselors are good, support groups. Don't be afraid to join those. Um, and then again, just, you know, live a life that's got grace intertwined in it. And understanding grace and mercy is a huge start to what God will use, and that's your story. I promise you. And, you know, one of the things that you can embrace as well is, you know, try to, you, you try to detach from the pain associated, but you never detach from the person. You love unconditionally because that's what God does. He didn't detach. He maybe doesn't like the things that we do, but he, you know, he doesn't detach from us. He forgives us. He, and I know that's hard to do, and you have to do it time after time after time. But nonetheless, you know, you're not a doormat, but you can learn to detach from the pain, just not the person, and you love them unconditionally, and you surrender them to God. Believe it or not, God loves my children. He loves your children and you more than Way you more. even know, and so. Embrace that and believe it because it's true. You know, it's not what we ask for, but it is what we've been given. And like I said, God doesn't make mistakes. So I hope at some point, you know, you guys will just begin. You'll turn the corner and maybe something will say, you know what? Yeah, I remember you said I'll be there at one day. So I hope hopefully you will sooner than later. Uh, it may be years. And when you realize it's free will, it's their choice. I mean, with with our son, I was like, buddy, I will love you behind bars where I love you as a free man. I mean, mm-hmm. this is your choice. Mm-hmm. And my love for you will never waver. So yeah. love your love your kids yeah. no matter what. Yeah. And really, I thought, you know, what I want to do is just kind of open it up for questions. Like I said, there's <clears throat> nothing off the table. We've pretty much seen it all, heard it all, I can assure you, from the years of doing this not only what we've been through and so certainly i would love you know if you have any questions or thoughts be happy to field and, a question and i will say a good thing is that <clears throat> our son is surviving today mm-hmm. um probably he was probably eight out of the ten kids that he hung out with are now dead yeah you know um th- he has three beautiful kids um 
they live five minutes down the street from us. Yeah. And, I mean, as a matter of fact, <clears throat> I did leave that piece out. <clears throat> the one, the kid with the motorcycle that I was telling you about, he was found shot to death with his girlfriend in Atlanta for a drug deal that had gone bad. So, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I it just broke my heart to hear that. But like she said, I mean, I don't even refer too many times to them as friends. I really call them more of acquaintances. <clears throat> because when he was in the courtroom standing in front of the judge by himself, there were no friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was mom and dad. Yeah. And that was it. And, of course, the marijuana is the gateway, right? Oh, so yeah. we he, he did it all. I mean, oh, yeah. Meth to, I mean, all of it. So there are no surprises to us as far as. Yeah. You know. How do you um, promote the, the groups or, or what channels do you get people from? And do you run multiple concurrently? We, FAIR sends out kind of a flyer at the beginning. And then the other group, we use a book called Hope for Hurting Parents. And so they have a promotional thing that they do as well. And then it's also through our church that we attend and. Um, they have it as a care ministry, so we're part of a care ministry within our church. And so they do groups two times a year. They'll make a little announcement. So we get a few folks from that. Very at, few, though. Very yeah, few. At this point, it's really a lot of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, we're getting a lot of people say, hey, my friend told me about this. And I think since we just ended last month, I think I've already got four people who are lined up wanting to look for a place. We only we don't do it consistently. We do it two times a year. We'll start usually... February, late January, 1st of February, we run for 10 weeks, and then again in September for another 10 weeks. And again, our format is Zoom. Yeah, we and did. then we're also leading um, the Prodigal Child Ministry um, Retreat, retreat, which we did our first one last fall. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping to continue that, which will be twice a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Questions? Put you to sleep? <laughs> Scare you to death? Do you want? I'm, I'm happy to know. I'll Go ahead. start and then you can add because yeah. mom's a little bit tighter on those relationships, I think. Um, they. It was tough. My oldest son and my youngest son. Mm-hmm. It took. They're. I would say they're really just now kind of becoming acquainted again, friends. And there was so much anger that it built up in my younger son because he said, "You know, I never had an. I had never had an older brother." And then he's ten years. There's a ten year difference. And not only that, we're in this smaller community, and so a lot of the same friends. He was embarrassed by because yeah. all his friends. Oh, I heard you. I heard your brother did this. I heard your brother did that. And so he was embarrassed. So, I mean, he lived with that for his most of his school years. I mean, really. And um, so it was tough and a lot of disappointment. The girls, um, I think, you know, they're, they were always pretty good. I, know, I think as adults now, they're beginning to get those relationships healed back to what they were. Uh, but, yeah, it was not without some pain and... Um, and, ta- and it just takes time. Mm-hmm. And I think the big thing, too, is that he had to prove himself worthy. And, you know, it's the little slip-ups along the way that would take my youngest back down to the bottom. You know, he'd be like, oh, there he is again. No, I can't believe he's doing this. And so 
it just takes some time but I think overall they're pretty good friends now and it just continues to get better yeah I mean it's not anything we actually talk about or Mm -hmm. I mean Christmas everybody's together birthdays you know we have cookouts and we're pretty much a normal family (laughs) what's abnormal is normal (laughs) yeah yeah going through it there was a lot of resentment yeah we couldn't take a vacation because we had to pay for a rehab yeah. You know, we made some choices that probably looking back, you know, would we have done differently? Probably. Well, let's go back. Our first vacation was a ski trip, <laughs> and he's 15? Mm, I think so, 16? yeah. 16. 16. Yeah, he was driving. And I'm like, Lee, go pack. And I just told you his name. So go pack your bags right now. We're leaving. We're going to on a ski trip, and we're pu- pulling out of here in less than an hour. And I had given him days to pack his bags. Nope, I'm not going on some stupid vacation and... You know, so we left him home alone. And so we put a boot on the vehicle where he couldn't drive, gave him no money, left whatever groceries were in the refrigerator because we had depleted everything because we're going on this big ski trip. And um, we did buy him like a case of Raymond noodles and a gallon gallon of milk. milk. (laughs) And a gallon of milk. Yeah. Well, so we leave the driveway less than who knows. He took the boot off the vehicle. He was very thrifty. He also shot and killed squirrel in the backyard and fried it and ate it. So he was very resourceful. But the boy's a survivor. He, and yeah. His story will be amazing when he decides to share it. He's, what, yeah. 32? Two. Yeah. And we're getting ready to enter our 33 years of marriage. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's uh, he's well, a survivor. 34, so. actually. Oh, but okay. I won't hold that against okay. you. Okay. Yeah. Right. 34. <laughs> Who's counting? He'll be 33 in next month. Yeah. Yep. Thoughts, questions, anything else? Does he do AA or NA or any of that? No. No. Nope. I wished he would, truthfully. But again, you know, uh, he's gone to a few of the meetings, and uh, but he just, he's never stuck with it. His, his, um, his way of looking at it, and this is not the first addict that I've come across that says the same thing. Until I'm ready to make that choice, no one is going to shove anything down my throat here. I have to be willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kick it on my own. So, mm-hmm. And actually, we had um, in our prodigal ministry, last, our last class, we actually had a prodigal that got up and spoke and said the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and she was now a mom with a prodigal that she had been an addict and... She said, until I was ready to kick it, I just, I, I, mm-hmm. a rehab was not the place for me. So, but we tried. We did everything we were supposed to do. Yeah. Does he drink alcohol? Mm-hmm. He, he will, no, maybe. Uh, He's not, not on a regular. He doesn't like to. He doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he knows his limits. Um, we had a wedding a couple weeks ago, and I think he was drinking a beer or something, but he doesn't. No. He he doesn't even like to come around our functioning family or our, you know any big gatherings where there's alcohol. We're having so. a my youngest son is getting ready to graduate from college and he we're having um, a gathering for him and he's like mom I'm going to come by for just a few hours and then I'm going to leave because you know I don't want to be around in, in the midst of all that and we're yeah. like I appreciate that absolutely yeah so <laughs> yeah yes. That we did differently, or that we we would have done differently. I could, I think probably allowing the earlier we could have allowed some consequences to be suffered, like 
if you don't pay your fine, you know, I, I don't, wouldn't necessarily. I never advocate for any kind of a you know legal system if you can avoid it at all possible. But somehow I would have been a little bit let him endure a little more of those consequences early on. Would it have made a difference? I don't know. I mean, his pain threshold. We all have different thresholds of tolerance. His was pretty thick. He was oh, yeah. pretty strong-willed, pretty thick. I got this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the jam. But you know, other everybody's different. But I, if if that's the one thing I would have done, and then certainly we, if we could have been together on parenting, that would I think have been well, made a big difference. I'm loving for us. my husband on one side and yeah. my son on the other. Yeah. And I'm stuck in the middle, and I'm the mediator between the two of them, and. It, it yeah. stinks. Yeah. It, that position stinks. It really does. Um, yeah. And the, numerous uh, occasions where, you know, I'm I'm trying to love him the best I can and love my son the best I can and all these other kids down here, and I'm like, ah, let me breathe, you know, so it's hard. Yeah. But definitely that would have been probably number one would have been for us to have really synced in on this parenting journey and been on the same page. Um Yep. Anything else? What are you going to do as far as uh, the retreat goes? We kind of take a lot of what we do with the 10-week class and just kind of boil it down. And I know John and Fair, they they have uh, speakers, so we'll have a couple of guest speakers that come in. But it's really just an opportunity for some parents to get a little break, Mm -hmm. just to get a way to breathe, connect with other parents, so at least for our retreat, we didn't want to make it like content heavy. It was just more absorb, spend some quality time with folks who are processing through the same thing and just kind of connect. Just reprieve. Yeah. yeah, just give a reprieve. And have some fun. We did have some fun. Did, did you include your kids in the process of, yeah, because they had to heal too. Oh yeah. So were they, how did they, what was the process for them to counseling yeah Yeah, we did a lot of family counseling and you know they've gone to it we've offered it to them said you know we paid for counseling for them to hey we realize after the fact we realize all the trauma and at any point you want to seek counseling you know and they a couple of them did i Mm -hmm. think you know they went to a counselor but we when we're in the midst of it we weren't as attentive because our attention was so over here and it was rescue rescue spin spin so we kind of negated that and it took us a while to kind of understand what we had done and so yeah we 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 weren't very attentive early on but after the fact when we really began to realize the trauma the trickle down effect that we were seeing that's when we kind of went in on them and said hey you know how can we help you can you know want to talk about it whatever i mean there's still a lot of work that has to be done a Mm -hmm. lot of shadow work a lot of you know restoration healing and i mean i think every day we're all walking through it i mean yeah even myself you know every oh, time sure. we teach the prodigal something will trigger me or all, something will seethe up inside of me and I'm like whoa 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 where'd that come from like yeah. maybe I have not taken care of that yet so yeah. self healing is huge yeah. you know self care is huge Just I know a, it's really really difficult for me anything anybody in the family that's not getting along I oh, mean yeah. I just want to get in there and heal it and get everybody together and get it over with you know mm-hmm. yeah. it's really hurtful to me 
Mm. Yeah, I understand. I'd, yeah. Every Christmas, my kids are like, Mom, what do you want for Christmas? I just want peace in my home. I just want peace. And finally, yeah. I got peace. I mean, God's faithful, man. He, he truly has blessed us uh, with an abundance of a life. It, it's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, today, but when we were walking through it, it, whew. Well, I think, too, I mean, I think that's a mother's heart. Men are a little bit more compartmentalized. We can kind of, you know, we're, we're emotionally, but not that degree to where you feel that pain when the disruption and the dysfunction amongst the kids and you know that i think is definitely it impacts both but it's certainly from a mother's standpoint i think we hear that more often guys we just have a tendency to kind of compartmentalize set it aside deal with it later work on that after the fact but men are fix it yeah we yeah. want to fix everything and yeah. we're emotional and mm-hmm. we carry everything right here in our, our heart so it's right. hard yeah Mm-mm. He he made a comment just last week. He was like, Brenham, he was talking to his son. He was like, don't do that. And he turned around and he goes, yeah. I mean, I was this stupid nut job at the age of 15 and 16. Like, he he feels those consequences today mm-hmm. of, of, and where he's at today is because of those poor choices and consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does know Jesus and he loves the Lord and they're, living a, a great life today but yeah 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 i think you know he's staring down the barrel of a teenager's is of a 10 year old mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stuff that's beginning you know he's kind of beginning to realize wow i don't want to have to go down that path mm-hmm. so yeah it's regret it's but pretty much it, regrets and embarrassing to him yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, i think you mentioned that your son was uh, with math. He had difficulties. He wanted to be the class clown to get affirmation. Mm-hmm. Well, they had similar self-esteem issues. Of course, we learn this all after the fact. Right. Mm-hmm. And he self-medicated to fill in that whatever he didn't like about himself, mm-hmm. he tried to fill it with alcohol and marijuana. Right. Did you ever get to the root of it, or did your son ever kind of tell you, you know what, because I didn't feel, you hear this all the time, comfortable in my own skin, I did A, B, C, and D. I don't think he really, fortunately, he doesn't remember a lot of his past. And I'm not kidding you. I mean, because of the drug addiction and so forth. So I'm I'm grateful that he doesn't remember a lot of the times when we are yelling and fighting and ranting and raving and kids and crazy and chaos, you know. So for him, um, I think today what he suffers with is anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the aftermath of all of this. And so... For him to get up and do public speaking or for him to engage with a large, he, he runs the other way. Sure. So he's just yeah. kind of. Yeah, I don't, I think that's the next chapter for him mm-hmm. is the internal healing. That's what I kind of see. And I think the more, you know, he's beginning to realize, hey, I've got some two boys that are getting close to being teenagers. I see that in the future. Lynn, that's our prayer. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully through. But he has started some of that through yeah. um, a naturopath and doing yeah. like an evox and different types of testings and so forth to try to clear out get some release to get some release from because yeah. you, you stuff all that in and if you're if you're not flowing from head to toe and there's blockage it, it's going to come out some somehow yeah. in some way and and I can tell you um, this wasn't just some he he saw I don't even know the extent of what he saw he's never shared it with me 
I know prison ain't a fun place. And uh, but outside of that, I mean, um, he was with some bad company. Some real so we don't we don't dealers, yeah well kind of yeah we don't yeah. we don't know to what degree. We don't even know the whole story. But that'll take his. That's his journey. We'll love him, but that's his journey. And uh, I think the older he gets, he will embrace it because he needs. He recognizes now the need for some of that to overcome. But yeah, mm-hmm. as I said, the chapter's still being written. Mm-hmm. It's a oh yes. I'd like to talk to you guys after uh, mm-hmm. I get involved, maybe helping you out with this class. If you could use some help. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. We love it. We 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 love guest speakers and. You know, anybody that wants to come on board, we say, yeah, let's go. So I definitely will get your information for sure. You yeah, ask all, ask away, we're here. Yeah, I think so. I think he's... The more he embraces his parental journey and the responsibilities and now he's doing life, I think he's beginning to realize, wow, I cannot believe what I put my parents through. But yeah, I mean, it, no, it didn't come right away. It took, it's still kind of, like I said, I mean, I know, I know today he still feels it. I can feel it and we never discuss it. I don't bring it up. If it's something he wants to talk about, maybe he will share with me. But no, I think it's, again, it's just, he's got to, as, as Tina said, it's just this huge burden of rocks that he wears. And I wish he could just lay that backpack down and move on. But that's his journey. He'll do that whenever God, you know, gives him the freedom from it. But he wears, I see, he wears a lot more than he should because he's been forgiven. You know, but it's just, that's just and a that's, maturity uh, process. The most recent um, experience was he was sitting on our couch about five months ago, bawling his eyes out boo crying of just I am so sorry I, I you know I need help I, I, I need to figure all of this out mm-hmm. and so he still suffers with it today I mean um, but one thing I will say is we had to ask for forgiveness mm-hmm. and he also asked for forgiveness mm-hmm. so we didn't do everything right yeah yeah that's a key point that's a key point especially when you're dealing with an adult you know, I mean, as parents, we want to think we do it all right, and sometimes we make mistakes. And I think for him seeing us apologize for the decisions that we made, maybe wrong, or the way I was, you know, you know, I I I can assure you, I was not the best. It's okay, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, not too many people want to wrestle their eighteen-year-old in the basement. You know, so the last I'm just time saying, I yeah. Tried to- do it. I had strawberries on my knees, so yeah. that didn't work. But there were <laughs> yeah, there yeah. were clearly some <laughs> things did. that yes, I had to apologize for. Mm-hmm. And that's Absolutely. okay. That's okay. Doing the best we can, mm-hmm. but being able to recognize it, and for him to forgive me and see me in that vulnerable state, I think it also helps him Amen. to embrace that as well. Yeah. One of the things you never really think about that we brought up last time too was that it's a God journey. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's totally oh, a God journey. Like I said, it's not a journey that I would have chosen. None of us would. But I can assure you, 
embracing it and not running from it and being able to use it now has enabled us just to see a whole different reason as to why. And and I'm not going to say, but it it does define a little bit of the purpose. And if going through all of that enables us to help other folks, then it is exactly what God needed us to do. But yeah, it's it's not a path I would have chosen for sure. I don't regret it, though. I mean, you know, some things, obviously, but I don't regret. Staying married? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For Good sure. Choice. For sure. <laughs> Anything else, guys? Well, you've just been fantastic. We're open 24-7, like, you know, John and Fair have said. Anytime uh, we're on their website, I think, whenever she sends out the information. If there's anything you guys want to reach out after, um, let us know it's yeah. it's a ministry that you know you get finished with a class but i don't think you ever turn loose and and it's just it is what it is you know we were we were looking in the other day i was and it's hard to believe I and mean, we're now probably upwards of 90 plus couples that we've kind of been able to mentor and bring along through this journey and bring them through that journey that they're going through as well and kind of learn to embrace it not run from it or be ashamed of it yeah, we've made a lot of yeah. great friends along the way, yes. and um, it's it's funny. We always say, okay, so the men you can call Jeff, and the women call me. Well, men really don't like to talk, right? So the women blow my phone up. <clears throat> so I feel like I'm doing this 24 seven, which is great. I yeah. mean, and and there's so many success stories, and we get to celebrate those with them. And there's you know situations that do not turn out that well, and and we embrace that as well. But it, yeah. it's. Um, we love the ministry and we love the people for sure. Yeah, and thank yeah. you for letting us just be a part of it and come and yes. share a testimony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.